Chattahoochee, copyright 2023, by Randy Cooper. All rights reserved. No parts of this podcast may be used or reproduced by any means without the expressed written permission of the author. Chattahoochee, Chapter 19. It was Saturday morning when Tyra and I attended the debrief of the SWAT teams on stakeout duty. The night was uneventful and we were pleased to see that Tyra's automobile and tag number was listed as an observed vehicle on each site's report. It was obvious the men enjoyed working together. The only thing that bothered me was how long I could keep the operation going. Considering that the third murder was only three days from the second, we hoped we wouldn't have to wait too much longer for an arrest. After lunch, I went to my meeting with Patricia. She greeted me in the small reception area and led me to her office. I sat in the same place, and so did she. She poured our tea and then handed me my pen and pad. Notice I said, my pen and pad. Well, Craig, she began, I'm excited to hear of your progress. I told her about everything I'd done, the dates I'd planned, and the purchase of the Xbox, the Peloton, and the cooking books. Most of all, I told her how excited I was about seeing Timothy this weekend. That's wonderful. I'm pleased to hear you're doing so well. She paused. We left off Monday talking about sleep and you mentioned occasional bad dreams and troubled rest. Would you like to continue there? I've been really sleeping well the past few days. What makes you say that? I wake up rested. Craig, we're discussing bad dreams, not rest. Now can we go back to these recurring bad dreams you had mentioned? Are those continuing? No. I can't recall having any bad dreams since our last session. It doesn't surprise me. She took a sip of tea. Dreams are our thermostat for the mind. Things that trouble us and overwhelm us in the conscious find an outlet in the subconscious. Now that the stress and anxiety in your conscious life have subsided, the dreams have subsided in your subconscious life as well. She took another sip of tea. Tell me about your most vivid dream, she asked. So I told her about the dream with the hooded figure the victims, the sandstorm, the quiet after the storm. I remembered hearing people shouting at me, and I shared the helplessness that I felt, and that the hooded figure had complete authority over the situation. We talked about feelings of inadequacy. We talked about the press and how meeting with the victim's family creates an emotional connection. We talked about work-life balance and the importance of socializing with and having relationships with civilians and letting go of being a police officer for a while. I was impressed how well she could relate to me, cop to cop. I want to go back to one area you mentioned nothing about in your progress report. Progress report? This is starting to sound like grade school. You didn't mention anything about church or making any improvements in this area. Why not? Well, I figured I'd tackle that one on Sunday. Craig. Spirituality isn't about going to church on Sunday. It should be a daily part of our lives. It's essential to our emotional, and some studies state, our physical well-being as well. Do you have someone you can speak with regarding your spirituality? The only person I could think of was Father Dan O'Connor, the priest that taught catechism to me. We'd stayed in contact over the years, and he was still at St. Jude's in Sandy Springs. Yes, I do. Is your spirituality important to you? 
I thought more about that. I felt bad that it had been so long since I'd been to Mass. Even worse, that it had been years since I'd gone to confession. I think the divorce made me feel bad about myself. I knew the church frowned on divorce. We weren't married in the church, so technically it didn't count, but I still suffered a great deal with it. Perhaps it was time to mend that relationship as well. Yes, it's important to me. Would you be willing to make a commitment to contact this person and discuss your spirituality? Yes. Excellent. Write that down. Oh, great. Here we go again. Now, along the same lines, how is your prayer life? There is none. I don't pray. Craig, how can you have spirituality without communication with your higher power? Remember when we talked about relationships? I nodded. With spiritual beings, we communicate through prayer. Have you ever had a prayer life? My hand went to my left pocket and I felt my rosary. It was a gift from Father O'Connor at my first communion. I've carried this rosary with me for more than 20 years, but I've seldom used it as it was intended. Yes, at one time. Do you remember how good it made you feel to be in touch with your higher power? Yes. I remember I always felt close to God when I would pray the rosary each morning. It set the right tone for my day. Is your relationship with your higher power important to you? Yes, it is. And would you be willing to make a commitment in this area? Yes. How often do you feel it's appropriate to pray? Once a day? Excellent. Write that down. She paused. Craig, you've made a lot of progress over the last few days. Thank you. I feel much better. I'm glad. That's why Lieutenant DiNapoli suggested our meeting. He was very concerned about you. Yeah, I bet. She paused again. I received a very interesting call Wednesday. Oh? Yes, from Lieutenant DiNapoli. Oh, I see now. She snitches to him. He snitches to her. My partner snitches to him. I need to start hanging out with more convicts and get away from all these snitches. And what did he have to say? I asked. He was very impressed with the quality of your work. I would also like to add that it reflected well on my practice. I almost thought he was going to nominate me for the Nobel Peace Prize. She laughed. It was the first time I could recall her making a joke. I fantasized for a moment about having sex with her. And then during our pillow talk, she would tell me how important orgasms are to our emotional and physical well-being. And I should write that down. Is that so? I laughed at my own joke, not hers. Yes, he said you'd been very assertive with him. Yes, I was. He tells her I was assertive. He tells me I've grown a pair. Assertiveness is a sign of confidence, a sign that you feel sure of your actions, decisions, and behavior. It was a risky move. Really? How so? Well, you challenged a figure in authority, someone who holds your career in the palm of his hand. More so, you told him he was making a wrong decision. Well, he was, I explained. You not only saw that his solution was wrong, you were able to provide a more acceptable alternative to the problem. I'm not aware of the specifics. That's between you and Lieutenant DiNapoli. It's none of my concern. However, I am concerned with the decision-making process that you implemented. 
To say that Lieutenant DiNapoli was impressed with the results of our sessions thus far is an understatement. I, however, am not. I guess that means you'll not be making reservations for Stockholm, I chuckled to myself mentally. Come again? What the hell does it take to impress you, lady? True progress is measured success over long periods of time. It's common that with the enthusiasm to new ideas, this ignites a spark of interest in improving deficient areas of one's life. Time, Craig. Time is the true test to which we can determine if a valid long-term effort will produce long-lasting results. Man, this lady is hard to please. Any previous offers of marriage are hereby officially rescinded. Was she saying these things just to mess with my head, or is she trying to set the department up for long-term billing? She continued, Human beings have become institutionalized. From birth, we conform our attitude, actions, and behavior to please others, to fit in, to conform. Throughout your professional life, you've been in highly structured organizations, and you've learned how to quickly conform to new environments. I'm concerned that this initial progress is compliance rather than change. I think you want others to see that the problem has been rectified, and the focus is then removed from you. This would allow you to return to your old behavior patterns without being under the scrutiny of others. Gosh, is this lady smart or what? Is she right? Am I fooling myself? Now she's got me wondering. True change comes from a sincere desire within yourself to change for yourself, not others. How do you feel about that statement? My mind was working overtime. I was trying to evaluate all that she'd been saying when I blurted out, I'm happy with me today. I paused for a moment to reflect on just how stupid that sounded. Craig, she smiled, you're at the beginning of a journey. You're right where you need to be. She paused to refill our teacups. I don't say these things to discourage you. Quite the opposite. I know you're happy with your progress, but I want you to understand it's only the tip of the iceberg. Change is like layers of an onion. The more layers you peel off, the more layers are revealed. If you're a happier person today, after just a few days, imagine a few weeks, a few months, or a year from now, if you keep fulfilling your commitments to yourself. Some of your commitments involve others. But these commitments are things you committed to do for your own fulfillment, not out of a sense of duty or obligation to others. It's important to understand the difference. Do you? I nodded. Good. I admire the way you didn't procrastinate in achieving your objectives. Don't put off until tomorrow what can be done today. We tend to feel disappointed in ourselves when we don't achieve the objectives we set for ourselves. This can affect our feelings of self-esteem. Do you understand the difference between goals and objectives? I shrugged. Allow me to clarify what these terms mean in the context of our sessions. Goals represent the target of where we want to be. Say I want to drive to California. The distance is too long without objectives. So I plan a route. 
The cities along that route mark our objectives. We create a list of objectives which help us achieve our goals. As I arrive in each city, I have achieved another objective towards my goal. Do you understand? I nodded obediently. In our last session together, the first thing I asked you was what you wanted to accomplish as a result of our time together. Do you recall your response? Yes, I chuckled. I said I wanted to get my boss off my ass. Correct. That represented a goal. When you left, you had created a list of objectives. Do you feel your goal has been realized? Do you mean Denapoli is off my ass? Yes. Well, to some degree, I believe that goal has been realized. Correct. I agree. Now, because our goal has been achieved, does that mean our objectives are no longer valid? Well, no, not at all. Correct. Some of the objectives are recurring. They represent things you'll need to continue doing in order to maintain that sense of well-being you have begun and are seeking to improve upon. Correct? Yes, I follow you. From our session today, can you identify a recurring objective and a single objective? Daily prayer would be a recurring objective. Contacting Father Dan would be a single objective. Correct. She paused and checked her watch. Our time for this session is up. I'll see you again on Monday, same time. I like how that was both a question and a statement. Yes, I'll be here. Wonderful. I enjoy our sessions together, Craig. So do I, Patricia. It was the first time I recall using her name. It made me feel weird doing so. I can't really explain why. This woman was deep. There was a part of her I was afraid of. There was a part of her I wanted to please. Part of her that made me feel stupid. And part of her that I just marveled at. I couldn't ever recall meeting a person who had such a unique sense of calm about her, who seemed so with it. I couldn't imagine her bitching in traffic or cussing after breaking a nail. When I left, I couldn't help but think what an amazing person she was and how much I admired and respected her. It didn't stop me from fantasizing about her, though.